Hi, everybody. Welcome to Tribe Talk. We're super excited to have you guys joining us today. I see some people here who have uh, been joining us on a regular basis. Hi, Diane. It's good to see you. Um, and so, yeah, we've got a really special guest today, and her name is Marcel. She is not only a colleague of mine, but she's a dear friend of mine. And one of the things that I just have to have to say about Marcel is that you know she's a really uh, bright light, um, especially especially in these times where you know there's just a lot of stress going on. And uh, you can always count on Marcel to be very grounded and have her feet to the ground and be able to offer some really solid advice. And that's why we invited Marcel. Thank you so much, Marcel, for being here today. Absolutely, it's my pleasure, especially now. Wonderful. Thank you, Marcel, again for being here. And um, just so everyone knows, I want to give you a little bit of background about Marcel Pick. She's a functional medicine practitioner. She's helped thousands of women safely achieve their health goals naturally using the principles of functional medicine. Now, Marcel was honored to be among the first to be certified as a functional medicine practitioner, and she's currently an educator with the Institute of Functional Medicine. She's also served as a medical advisor to Healthy Living Magazine. So, so she joins us today with tons of background information and experience um, to really help answer your questions. And what we're going to be talking about today is fear and the immune system connection, what you can do to abolish fear and resonate with peace to keep your body healthy. And Marcel, I think this is something we really all need to be hearing right now because a lot of the panic and the actions that we're seeing out there, like the hoarding of groceries and that type thing, a lot of that is driven by fear, right? Absolutely. So, you know, one of the things that we've been talking amongst ourselves, you know, we have a, um, a Facebook group for the Institute of Functional Medicine, a lot of the faculty, and that is that there are two things that are going on. One is the reality of the situation. And the other is that if you are already adrenally stressed beforehand, which means that um, the body produces a fair amount of cortisol when we have a lot of stress, and so many people already have had kind of coming up to this time, have been working too much, have been trying to balance work and kids and lots of activities and life and not eating so well. Well, they were already in what I would call adrenal overload. So you put this on top of it that you're taking your clothes off at the door and you're, you're washing, going right upstairs immediately to take a shower and you're washing your hair and it's overwhelming. So the part that I wanna also help people understand is yes, we have to pay attention to cortisol and we have to do things in our lives on a regular basis, eating really well. This is the time not to eat those snacks in the cupboard. If you bought lots of potatoes and pasta, put those away and start eating a little bit more of the vegetables. And the irony is if we looked in the stores, that's what everybody had in the stores was fruits and vegetables. It's like, okay, fine, I'll go for it. I'll eat it. I'll take it. We want to have our plates filled with green. We want to be able to be mindful, perhaps intermittent fasting is the time to be doing this now because we have the opportunity to listen to our bodies. So yes, and we need to use support for the adrenals, no question. I'm not a big fan of pumping the immune system at this point because I think if we need it, I've got a whole litany of things that I recommend for people if they think they have you know, COVID-19. 
So now is a fantastic time, and this is the upside to the situation. I can talk more about adrenals if you'd like. We now get to see things around the planet we've never seen before. China can see the sky. Oh my God. We're hearing families come together with their children. We're hearing fathers that have been off the job so much being able to say, I'm connecting with my kids. They're having dinner together. They're making food together. We're seeing people that have got kids that are in multiple activities. They're going everywhere every day. They can't. So they're having to stay home and learn other activities. We're seeing dolphins in Venice. I've been to Venice. You couldn't see, you couldn't see anything except for brown. And it's like, oh my God, these things are really changing the planet. So yes, we absolutely, absolutely have to be mindful. There's no question about it. Yes, we have to stay home. But we also know that 85% of people don't have many very severe symptoms. And we're seeing the planet change. And the things that people are doing for each other, it's amazing. One of my friends was in a parking lot and he was somebody who actually was going to get me masks or gowns at uh, Home Depot. And there was a woman crying in the parking lot. And he said, can I help you? And she said, you know, she was sobbing. They didn't have any formula for her twins that were in the back of the car. And they didn't have any wipes. And he said, well, I just got some extra wipes. You take these. He called around on his phone, got some formula for her and she went to pick it up. We're seeing that everywhere. And unfortunately, what the media is doing is we're seeing, you know, death makes news. And we, we, okay, that's great. I don't watch the news myself, but okay, I get it on my phone. We have to be protective of ourselves, especially now to, to be attentive, understand the information, but understand every time you see an article that scares you, your cortisol level goes up, which guess what suppresses your immune system. So reading all these things, and I'm going to be doing a, um, the Zoom call this Sunday, actually, is going to be about what are the wonderful things that are happening? In addition to, yes, let's talk about what's going on, but what are the wonderful, wonderful changes that are happening around the planet? And they're enormous. I think that's a really good perspective to take and a way to kind of flip the situation. And we've talked about this all the time, about mindset, about looking for the positives, having that gratitude. Um, Talk to me a little bit about fear and, and what us being in a constant state of fear, which a lot of us get used to being in that state. When you talk about adrenal overload, our society has us running so fast, doing so many things, multitasking everywhere we go. A lot of us are in that state of adrenal overload and we don't even realize it because that's become our normal. But fear is a big driving factor in a lot of the decisions we make. Talk a little bit about physically what fear does to our bodies over time and how it directly connects to our immune system. Absolutely. So important. So I wrote a book called, is it me or my adrenals? And I was always interested in this notion of what, what does this do to our body physically? And what we see is it does many different things. Now I need to tell you the American Academy of endocrinologists have said there's no such thing as adrenal you know, fatigue. Okay, I'll give them that. The word is ridiculous. We shouldn't call it fatigue. But we see rampantly in our culture, people that have so many issues secondary to adrenals. And the adrenals are two small glands that sit on top of the kidneys, almost the size of a walnut. And they affect our fight flight response. Now we cannot live without some kind of anxiety. We can't. We need cortisol to help us live. However, if we have cortisol that goes on and on and on, and many of us, and I always talk to people about, if we don't deal with our childhood story, 
our story deals with us physically. And so many people have a lot of things that went on for them as kids. And we know this from something called the ACE study. And it was a study that was done in 1998. And Kaiser Permanente looked at 19,000 men and women, and they looked to see if they had stress in their childhood. Did that cause physical problems? And the answer was, because I've interviewed Folletti when I had a radio show, and he said, oh my God, yes, it does. So if you have a childhood, which was a lot of trauma going on, and I will tie this together with your question in a minute. If we have a lot of stress as kids, on a t uh, they did a questionnaire and 10 questions. If you had four or more, your chances of having heart disease were, believe it or not, 165% higher. Kidney disease, lung disease, cancers. Well, how does that tie into present day? Well, guess what? If you've had a lot of stress for a long time, you are not someone that knows how to sit down. You are somebody that takes your job very, very, very seriously and you're perfectionist. All those things cause cortisol to be up. So we put that together and, and more anxiety because if you have high cortisol, what that translates to is more epinephrine and norepinephrine as the body tries to respond to that balance of parasympathetic in the nervous system. So then we have what we have now. And in the media, we see numbers are going up. We see in my friends that are in, you know, physicians that are in New York City, I can't be helped but not feel panic for them. My job then is to understand that there's a biochemical response to that. So if you have high cortisol levels, there's a feedback system that happens. Number one, it changes how your thyroid works and it actually blocks your ability to have active thyroid. It increases autoimmune disorders. It changes your immune system, right back to your question. And it causes havoc because with the hormones, because cholesterol normally makes our sex hormones. If it's required to make cortisol, there's an enzyme that's blocked and we then don't have enough estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, and DHA. Women are saying, oh my God, I'm feeling so stressed and my hormones are going crazy. And there's a biochemical reaction to that and reason for that. And then we also know it causes digestive issues. And again, this is all biochemistry. This is no, not some fancy, you've got too much stress. This is just biochemistry. So our job is then maybe not watch the news so much. Our job is to understand there's some amazing things that are happening globally. So one of my friends said to me, you know, Marcel, when you're in labor, and this is for the women, you go to this very dark place thinking, I don't know if I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it through, I don't know if it's going to happen, this dark hole we call it. And then you come out the other side going, oh my God, wow. That is sometimes the place people are in right now, which is how are we going to do this? I don't know the answer to how, I just know we are. We've had many thousands of years of horrible things happening. We've just never heard from everyone around the planet at the same time what was going on because we didn't know. So the truth for all of us as individuals is, why don't we take this time to be introspective, to look at what is working in your life, what's not working in your life? Are you too busy? Are you not, you know, is your, are you not happy with your life? How can you change things? How can you stay connected with people really importantly? Because all of that changes cortisol. And if there are some things in your story, what are some things you can perhaps do online right now to heal some of that? You know, if you have a family member that you're not talking to, I'm not suggesting you call them right up, but what do you have to do yourself to heal that for yourself that then translates into changing that cortisol production?
that make sense? So it's, it's very, very important we understand that we have as, as a planet an opportunity to go in and say, okay, I'm fearful, what am I fearful of? And really dig a little deeper yourself. And you can also get help online everywhere now to work that through. And also, if you're scared today, what are you scared of? What are the things that you might need to do to mobilize yourself? Nutrition, supplements, and also understanding that maybe there's a spiritual connection for you. Whatever that belief is for you, is there some way for you to be able to kind of grab onto that too? Makes Wonderful. Sense. I love that answer. I love how you kind of tied all of that together. And it reminded me of something I read the other day. You know, a lot of people finding themselves at home, quote unquote, bored right now. And a lot of people are being forced to face those feelings that they've been avoiding for years and years. So maybe that is a sign to start facing some of the things you've been putting off working on on yourself. Absolutely. And you know, the other part to this is glorious to me is that we all have a chance to say, wait a minute, I haven't taken care of myself very well, men and women. I haven't been exercising the way that I should. I have been not so conscientious about nutrition and the beauty for us in functional medicine right now, and I'm kind of laughing on the other side is, I've been using IV vitamin C in my office for, for about 30 years. And now we're seeing in New York City that they're using vitamin C in the hospitals. It's like, well, it's about damn time is what I'm thinking to myself. But we're going to find that nutrients are now going to come out on the other side of, oh, hmm, melatonin. There's a place for that because the science is showing us that. Hmm, zinc is helpful. And for me, as a practitioner, that's like, hallelujah, it's about time. But for those people that are at home, fear is going to get us nowhere. The thing is going to make a difference is when we mobilize ourselves enough to say, wait a minute, I have this amazing opportunity to look at what diet works for me. Does keto work for me? Low fat, low carb, Mediterranean, but color, healthy, as much as you're able doing organic, whole foods is still delivering. And, and just being mindful that you perhaps don't need, can't do and can't afford to do organic. Okay. So just at least get color on your plate and not potatoes. We have that luxury to do that now at home and get a standing table. That's what I have now. I don't ever sit down anymore at home. I have a standing table. I do everything standing up so that I'm not sitting all the time. I go outside, I go running, I'm going walking because I can still do all of that and connecting with friends online. Um, I'm a dancer, so I can't do any ballroom dancing now, but you know, we're going to have music together and we're going to kind of have our little thing on Wednesday nights. So it's about figuring out for you what's going to keep you healthy and balance during this unbelievably challenging time. And Dr. V, that's, I'm going to bring you into the conversation. That's um, a lot of the same advice we've been giving to our clients as well, to find these little opportunities in your everyday to start working on one part of your life and go from there. You don't have to do it all at once, just baby steps, but this is the perfect time for that. Yeah, I mean, we actually have a chance for a reset. And, you know, not just here in the United States, but around the world, we need a reset because what we've been doing for the last 50 and 60 years 
has taken us to where we are today. We don't have the mental resiliency that we used to have. You know, mental health disorders and neurodegenerative disease have skyrocketed around the world. It's scary. That's a much bigger problem than this current COVID issue. Um, you know, what about um, you know what what about all the autoimmune issues? That's a much bigger problem than this COVID issue. You know, we never saw these things 50 years ago, and you know. But we've never taken, people haven't stopped. People are running all the time, running, 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 running. Like we're killing our planet and we're killing ourselves. We don't have the resiliency that we used to have. And a lot of that has to do with what we've done to our ecosystem of, of planet Earth. Like our ecosystem doesn't have the resiliency. Um, now that everything has stopped, we're getting to witness this miracle of how fast that the planet can fix itself. Um, you know, with like some of the things that you mentioned, but, but we, we are connected to the ecosystem of our planet. We are a part of that ecosystem. And when the, you know, when the planet loses its resiliency, um, we start to lose ours. And so, yeah, I mean, this is a perfect time right now. You know, don't get consumed with how your life as you know it has come to a halt instead face it take a look at it and you know realize that this is a chance for the whole world to have a reset so that we can then move forward and do it in a much more respectful way both to our environment and to ourselves absolutely and I, got, I also want to remind people that what we know is that there's so much literature now coming out on autoimmune disorders and stress. And that ties back into the whole notion of having high cortisol levels for a very long period of time that then ultimately compromises the biochemistry of the body with more autoimmune disorders. So even that's connected, certainly to fear and to angst that we have. And we didn't have that connection until most recently in terms of the double-blind placebo-controlled studies that we now have as well. You know, for, for some people listening, you know, the words adrenal overload may be, may be new words for them. That may be foreign territory. Kind of explain a little bit about what some of the symptoms are that a person experiences sure. if they're in that state to begin yeah, with. Absolutely. Um, you know, I have kind of, when I wrote my book, I talk about people in different phases. So I'll have the person that's wired and tired. And I'll have that person that is, you know, flatlined or exhausted. Or I have the person that's what I call the workhorse that just kind of makes it through, but they're really tired. If you're finding that sometimes you'll be sitting in an office, this is in the old days when we can still go out, um, and you have you know, something like light behind your back, and you're getting ready to read a book or a magazine, you start falling asleep. Those people are probably you know, exhausted. The people that can't get up in the morning and they say, Marcel, I have so much sleep and I wake up in the morning and I'm just as tired as I was before. Of course, we have to make sure that everything else is fine. We do blood work. We make sure their thyroid's working properly. And in my area, we make sure they don't have Lyme disease. But so often when I'm doing adrenal testing, I will see their levels all over the map. And many times they're very high at night, so they can't sleep. And they're kicking and they're trying to take melatonin and they're getting out of bed and we have to have sleep to heal. And we're especially seeing this now with COVID-19 that those people that have higher melatonin levels are certainly faring much better. So the relationship between cortisol, and oftentimes it starts as kids. For example, you know, if you grew up in a home in which you were really expected to get really good grades and you push yourself really hard, that carries on to adulthood. 
and the body's only able to produce so much cortisol if it's going on and on and on and for a while, what happens is that number was up and then that number comes down. And the unfortunate part with that is ultimately, if you don't do something to heal that, including I have my patients that really have adrenal issues, not exercise, I don't want their heart rate over 90, to really allow themselves to heal in whatever way that they can, starting to eat better, starting to add some adaptogenic herbs. I like to see their levels first because I've been surprised when I thought somebody was wired all the time and they're not, they're really deplete, they're just pushing that cortisol level out. And it comes in many flavors. And unfortunately, our culture says there's no such thing as adrenal fatigue in medicine. I've had doctors call me up because my article was on you know, the first page of Google saying, you know, how dare you? And it's like, well, let's talk about biochemistry. What do we know? If you're very, very high, you have Cushing's. If you're very low, you have Addison's. And in between, well, there's nothing. That's impossible. People are symptomatic. And our culture has pushed, you know, when my kids were little, they were going to dance lessons and piano. And it's like, oh my God, no wonder they were, you know, feeling burnt out at times. And I think this is a reset for us, but understand that the adrenals have been what's really carrying the burden for a very long time. You know, I'm glad that you made that point about this being something that can start for young kids, because that was going to be one of my questions to you is, a lot of parents out there right now are feeling a lot of fear and feeling really stressed and really frustrated because a lot of kids are home now doing homeschool and you got parents trying to work at home, kids trying to go to school at home. And so a lot of households have really high stress levels right now because of that. So a lot of parents are also worried, how can I help my child get through this ordeal? What should I be doing to help my child come out on the other side of this and not have signs of stress and other issues like that. What's your advice to those parents? So you know who the best community for us to look for uh, towards is the homeschooling community. They've been doing this for a very, very long time and they've found amazing ways to really get their kids interested in many different things. And this may be the time that they maybe take a, a music lesson online. Um, or you, we really sit down and kind of find out from our kids what is it that you want. I mean, I grew up in the outback in Australia. We didn't have anything. I mean, I had an outhouse and we had two stores and we had no cars and we had no roads and we, we had to figure out how to navigate life. I'm not saying that that's what's going on now, but to some degree it is. We're gonna have to redefine what goes on, in, number one, in the homes and how can we do activities outside that are safe and certainly with the family can be together, but no, nobody else can. And look at what is it that my kid wants? What, what, what's deep within their soul? Have I been pushing them for my own agenda, as horrible as that sounds? And what is it they're interested in? How do we really navigate building them up individually as, you know, um, as, as people? And I think our culture was so, and certainly when my kids were young, well, they were, they were playing sports, they were doing this, they were doing this. It was almost exhausting thinking about what you had to do to kind of keep that household going. And maybe it's time for us to say, you know what, you get to do two activities and not five. And we're going to be able to define that now in the home to find out for each, each one, because they're all different. What do you love? What do you like? How can I help you with that? And you know what? I want to jump back, uh, you know, and and talk about, you know, we're we're talking about slowing down and 
and we're talking about, you know, how can we work with our kids? But I want to jump back for a minute to the whole, you know, fear thing, because one of the things that I've noticed some people doing right now, as their fear levels go up and their anxiety levels go up, they say, oh, well, I'm just burying myself in my work. And that's, you know, I'm, I'm online all day and I'm just working really hard and I feel better as soon as I do that. I think we should talk about that for a few minutes, Marcel, because you and I know um, firsthand, you know, what can happen when we bury our feelings and we bury our, our fears instead of, you know, facing it and, and being in silence and, 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 you know, having a conversation with our fear and actually dealing with it. You know, what would you say to people right now who are burying their anxiety and their fear in their work instead of using this this time to learn how to deal with it because well, most people don't even know how. What are some steps that people can you know, try for the first time in their lives to actually start addressing their feelings and their kids' feelings? Great question. And you know, for some people, it's gonna be baby steps, just even acknowledging that maybe they're working too much. I mean, we do have in our culture something called workaholism. And you know, the joke in New York is you know, 40 hours a week is part-time. And, you know, it should be an 80-hour work week. And I think as a culture in America in particular, they do that. My family all lives in Europe. My mom was Dutch. My dad was Hungarian. When I go to visit my cousins, we never, ever talk about what we're doing, what we do as careers. It's offensive when you go to a party to even ask that question. Well, how? Wow, that's very different than here. So it's taking tiny little steps as comfortable as you are to acknowledge that pushing that envelope is not gonna really serve you. And what I say to people over and over again is, if you don't deal with your story, your story will deal with you. And physically, it will deal with you. So if you can take little moments, and there's stuff online now for all of us to be able to kind of take advantage of that's free, to say, wow, you know what? I've really worked too much my whole life. I don't even know how to sit down and read a book. If that's true for you, then finding ways for you maybe to start reading a book for 10 minutes a day and then work up to 30. And I'm just using that as an example. Or you're too busy and you don't exercise. Or you're too busy and you won't do meditation. You can do deep breathing twice a day. You know, what I call 777 breathing. You inhale for seven, you hold for seven, you let out for seven, seven times. Just starting with small things like that can change your biochemistry, decreases cortisol, that maybe will allow you to step into that place of what am I scared of? Why am I working so hard? Why am I burying myself way too much so that I can acknowledge that this is a big deal, that this is overwhelming for me? And everybody's different. Some people will say, you know what? Oh my God, I've wanted to meditate twice a day for 30 minutes for so long, now I can do it but we're all in different places and acknowledging that we're different. And that if you do one minute a day and that's a starting point, fabulous. Yeah, you know, you touched on sleep earlier and the quality of sleep being important. You know, I, I was talking to a friend the other day who, who made the comment that, oh, I feel like I'm being lazy and I'm not getting anything done because I'm just sitting around and resting, but I'm so tired. And I think people need to hear that that's okay if you're tired to spend extra time sleeping. Maybe you've been only getting five or six hours of sleep a night for you know months before this, who knows? But 
it's okay to actually rest and spend time sleeping. And I think a lot of us feel guilty when, because we're used to go, 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 accomplish this, get this done, mark this off the list. But, but actually treating adrenal fatigue, adrenal overload, one part of that, a big part of that is actually sleeping well and resting, right? Absolutely. And we know that looking at the studies now with COVID-19, we're seeing that I think we've had a few cases of deaths in children, but they had comorbidity factors, i.e. they had other health issues. They have their uh, melatonin levels are hundreds of times higher than ours are. And as we get older, we lose melatonin. And we know that even adding melatonin for some people can be extremely helpful. If you have adrenal issues, sometimes we need to add something called phosphatidylserine to bring that cortisol level down. But sleep is incredibly powerful. If we look at some of the studies, and I'm a geek in some ways, I know a lot of the studies, we know that if you don't get enough sleep, it's equal to driving with two to three drinks of alcohol. Oh my God, seriously? Yes, when you have sleep deprivation for five days in a row, that's exactly what it does. And it changes the biochemistry because that's the body, that's the time the body detoxifies. And if you don't have that ability to be able to detoxify and then increase human growth hormone, because that's what happens with sleep, then we age faster. You know, and women ask me all the time, well, what can I do so that, you know, I don't age as fast? Well, that's one thing to do is to sleep and to sleep soundly. And as a culture, we and I, I would have to say this is a very much of an American phenomenon. We're about production. You know, we just got to kind of make sure that we, we did a lot of things during the day and we've checked off that list. Well, maybe that's not what your body needs right now because it needs to heal first and then it can be productive again within reason. Wonderful. I love that answer. You're, you're spot on with that. I, and I want to remind people who are here with us in the chat that we are going to do some question and answer um, with Marcel and everyone else uh, on the panel. So you can start putting questions uh, in the chat. The chat box is down at the very bottom. Just open that up and start typing your questions in there. and We'll get to, to some of those in a, in, in a little bit. Um, but you, you've mentioned, you know, doing things like diet, doing things like exercise. We've talked on Tribe Talk before about some of the supplements you can add. Um, how important, we touched on, on deep breathing and, and meditation, and I know there's a lot of science out there on those two things. How important are those for helping lower cortisol levels and helping kind of drive down some of that fear response that we tend to have? Huge. But I also have to say some people can't sit still long enough to meditate. And if that's you, don't beat yourself up about it. Find other things to do. Um, there's something called the M-Wave machine for people that are a little bit more geeky. And you actually, it's like an old fashioned pager and you put your thumb on it and you can actually connect it to your computer. So you can see the rhythms of what's going on with the body. And it's not so much looking at heart rate, it's looking at something called heart rate variability. The beauty now is for many of the, uh, the smartphones, they have all kinds of, there's an app called Calm that you can listen to. There's different kinds of music that you can, we know puts you into a meditative state and to more of an alpha state. All, whatever it is that you like to do to calm the system down, that's what you should be doing more of. They now have things that you can actually add to your phone. That's like a headset that also will help. And you can see when your alpha states are changing so that you can kind of acknowledge for yourself that it's starting to work. Whatever it is that you appeals to you, 
those are going to be the things that I would probably suggest. Meditation isn't for everyone. Yoga isn't for everyone. I'm a dancer, so I'm going to be dancing more than anything else. And that's my form of meditation. So whatever it is that you find that's very helpful, that gets you out of that thinking state and the power that it has to change your biochemistry is unbelievable. And we've seen it in study after study looking at that. Also healing resentment, healing anger, healing rage. Those are huge as well because we carry it in us and it changes our biochemistry. And that's something you can do something about. If you don't want to confront the person, write about it. And the other thing that I suggest to people if they can go outside, write about it, read it out loud, burn it and throw it off your shoulder and then move forward that you don't look back. I mean, there's some rituals you can do that can make a huge difference in your home. If you can't go outside, you can kind of burn it in a, in a you know, a, uh, not a plastic container, but something that's metal. And then you can put the, you can put it in the trash. Whatever it is that feels like something that you need to do to let go of something that can cause a lot of stress, that's not a meditation, but in some ways it is. Wonderful. I think from the chat box, I'm seeing a lot of people really resonating with what we've talked about so far. And we got a couple questions come in. And uh, this one's from Jessica. So she's saying that she gets enough sleep, she thinks, um, but she's way more exhausted than she thinks she should be. And so she's asking if, what is a good cortisol test to take? Are they all the same? What do you recommend there as far as testing? And should somebody get that tested? I'm a big fan of testing and I tend to do saliva. Um, we know that we can actually um, look at DHEA um, levels as well with that. If we did in blood, we'd do something called DHEAS. And then I can correlate the cortisol to DHEA ratio. And it's really helpful for me because I might change their formulations in terms of what they, what they need. I use a ton of DHEA in my practice and I'm, I use a compounding pharmacy. I prescribe it because I can use one milligram for one drop. And then I very slowly increase that. And the most I ever use is five milligrams twice a day. And for some people, it is a game changer. I mean, a game changer from somebody that says my get up and go is just gone to my get up and go is back and they just feel amazing. So I'm a big fan of testing and um, doing generally five saliva profiles. So I do it upon waking and then uh, usually an hour later, then around noontime, then four in the afternoon, then around 10 or, or, or midnight, depending upon how long you stay up. Preferably you're going to bed at 10, two hours before kind of uh, midnight. So it's really helpful for me to get a sense about how do I intervene botanically with these particular patients. This next question, it's, it's kind of following the same conversation. It comes from Steph and she says she's always exhausted, but definitely wired and tired. She can't sleep at night because she gets that burst of energy around 8 p.m., but she's falling asleep at 4 p.m. She's asking what are some things she can do to help her body get on a better rhythm and, and sleep schedule? Sure. So getting a test would be helpful. I suspect her cortisol levels up at night. That's why she can't sleep. And using something like phosphatidylserine uh, can be extremely helpful before you go to, you know, an hour or two before you go to bed so that then you'll be able to sleep through the night and won't be so exhausted. But quite honestly, it takes a couple of months to heal the adrenals. Nutrition is crucial, staying away from sugar and cutting back on carbohydrates because they get converted to sugar, having your plate be filled with vegetables, lots of green, and honoring that time when you say, I'm just so tired, I just want to sit down, sit down, listen, 
Don't get your heart rate over 90 um, because that is really pushing the adrenal system a little bit more. Go for walks, you know, connect up with friends on the, on the internet or, or through Zoom or FaceTime. And um, also, if there are things that have caused, and that's the piece that I always go to, many other practitioners don't, what created this problem? How did we get here? Because if we don't address that at some point, and sometimes what I'll say to patients is, look, let's get you feeling better. And when you feel better, then we can deal with the issue that got us there to begin with. But if we don't deal with that, they come back over and over again with the same adrenal issues they had before. And oftentimes, it's the story that's created that problem. So at some point, they have to kind of look at, do I push myself? Am I a perfectionist? Am I doing too much? Am I running away from that fear? What is it? Well, right now when they're feeling horrible, I don't do it then, but I will do it at some point. Yeah. And a couple of others that, you know, to add to that is that, um, you know, you might want to consider uh, staying off of your electronics in the evening, like the last two hours before you're ready to go to bed. Um, so like, you know, if you're trying to get to bed by 10 so that you can get on eight hours of sleep, you know, I'm just giving an example, you know, make sure that you're off of your electronics by eight. Um, it's very common for us to just like watch the tube until we, you know, start to feel like we're going to pass out or, you know, during commercials, you're like checking your Facebook or you're checking your social media, you're checking your emails. But every time that your eyes come into contact with the blue light from the electronics, it shunts or, or slows down or in some cases shuts off your melatonin production. And your melatonin is designed, you know, on this rhythm where you know it starts to produce more of it in the evening so that it can then take you into that sleep mode so that your body can reset so that's something to think about too if you're having a really hard time sleeping are you on your electronics up until the time that you go to bed do you have your lights on in your house you know um you want to like get you know lower level lights and like and like marcel said too you know pay attention to your foods um, sometimes we're using spices and other ingredients within our foods that have things that are excitatory to the brain, like MSG, or even if it's not labeled as MSG, there's a lot of foods that has, for example, that will have MSG in it, um, you know, that can actually be very excitatory to the brain and it can just like keep you like this all night long. So like, there's a few different things that you can do, you know, to kind of help you get into to that slum mode and help your melatonin levels come up at night. I also suggest for many people, because I'm a big believer that the Wi-Fi that we have can actually affect sleep as well. So if there's any ability in your home to actually turn the Wi-Fi off at night, I'm a big fan of that. I don't recommend computers in the room. Please don't have your cell phone in the room either. Um, and the data is becoming more and more evident, unfortunately, about 5G that we've maybe got some problems here. And there are people, I would say about 30% of the population is very sensitive to that. And that then can set off the stage, especially if you're not feeling well and become more sensitive. So that's another piece to add to what you said as well. Yeah, that's, that's so important. I'm glad that you mentioned that. Um, and so just for you guys wondering, on your router, on the back of your router, there's a little on-off button. So you can turn that off before you go to bed. Um, and uh, the other option so that you don't have to think about it all the time is to go on Amazon and buy the little um, plug 
that you know goes into the outlet and that has a timer on it and there that's where you plug your router into that and you can set it where it automatically will shut off at like you know eight o'clock or whatever time that you set it for and then it'll come back on in the morning and then this way you don't have to remember to shut it off but Marcel is absolutely correct on that we've actually um, have seen some patients and some clients um, who it turns out that a lot of their problems actually stemmed from EMF and that's not the first thing that we looked at we were looking for like you know infections and mold and hormones and thyroid we were looking at all this stuff and while those things did play a role I mean it was you know something that did need to be addressed one of their major issues actually turned out to be EMF frequency yeah, I think we're going to see that more and more, especially with the 5G. Um, I think we're, you know, because it's so much more powerful than what we have now. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. We're going to switch gears a little bit. We have a couple of questions coming in about exercise. And that's something we talked about. And, and, and you know, walking, you mentioned dancing, wonderful forms of exercise. So Veronica is asking, you know, now that she's working from home, probably sitting a lot more than, than usual, what are some good exercises to do and, and how often should we be exercising? And you mentioned standing desk. I have one of those too. And Dr. V has one. I highly recommend a standing desk so you're not sitting all day. But what are some, some exercises that, that people should be doing and how often? You know, if we, again, you know, you're going to hear me say this over and over. If we look at the science, what we're starting to understand is that we're not meant to do an hour of aerobic exercise. We look at the science that interval training of 20 minutes is really adequate for us five times a week. So you could get some very light weights or you can just use something in your house to do weight training maybe twice a week, kind of lifting things and going online to look at some of the exercises. If you have an exercise ball, there's tons of stuff you can do with that, including planks. And somebody showed a video, I thought it was hysterical, and what they did, they put soap on the floor, and they used a paper towel to make it slippery, and they started using it as a treadmill. I thought, ah, that's a great idea. And again, you go slow, you go fast, you go slow, you go fast. Um, using your stairs to go up and down your stairs if you have stairs in your house. You can, you know, do some of the things that I call that are really helpful for the lymphatic system, which is to go up on your toes and down and do that very often because that helps the lymph system and you don't need a big space to do that. So it's utilizing what you have around your house to, um, you know, get some activity. And I ordered my desk while we were having all this going on. So I didn't have one at home and it is possible to get one now. So it's possible to do that. So the sitting is really horrible. You know, some people have kind of argued that it's kind of the new um, smoking of our generation is sitting too much. And I think I agree with that because we used to be much more active. So, and the other thing is if you are sitting and you don't have a standing table, get up every hour and, you know, either walk around your apartment or your house. And if you have some stairs, go up and down it. All of that makes a difference as well. In fact, they did some studies with elderly in Europe and they found that just two minutes of going up and down stairs four times a day was the equivalent of doing a workout. Wow. Wow. And so staying with exercise, this, I, I really love this question from Tracy. So she says she feels great when she exercises, but her body then goes into a high cortisol state later. How do you know when your adrenals are healed enough to incorporate exercise? So that's a great kind of response from the body. It's still saying, wait a minute, I, I, I'm not ready for this yet. 
So I would probably do more walking or I would do not the high intensity till you then experiment with it again and see what happens. If I have people that are walking outside, I might say, well, why don't you try just running from one telephone pole to the other and then see how you are on the other side, two telephone poles. So you can gradually increase that. But her body's already telling her that this is too much for me right now. I'm not ready. To, I'm, I'm not ready. And, and even gentle exercises like yoga. I mean, with gyms being closed, yoga studios being closed down right now, a lot of these places are offering free classes or abbreviated classes online right now. So that's a perfect opportunity for people to try something new and to do something, you know, if you can't handle the strenuous exercise, do something gentle like yoga. I think everyone can benefit from, from yoga. Absolutely. Absolutely. Although some of the people that are very intense, they don't like yoga. So if you notice that's true for you, it's like, hmm, pay attention. But I would argue that some of the people who are very intense who say they don't like it probably need it because they need to learn to like decompress a little bit, right? Absolutely, no question. <laughs> so Marcel, let me kind of get back to the whole adrenal overload that we were talking about, adrenal fatigue. Talk a little bit about how, you know, what that can lead to if that goes untreated for years and years, what are some of the things that we see then happen in the body if, if, if people don't stop and address that issue? So if we look back kind of from the, at the science and we go back, say, even when I started doing this in 2009, we didn't have a lot of science to show us that stress and adrenal issues cause health problems. Well, now we fast forward and I'm getting ready to, uh, to do the hormone module in July in Boston. So I'm really looking at the research on adrenals and hormones, and I'm floored at how much research we have now looking at the stress connection, looking at cancer, the increased risk of cancer from too much stress for too long, looking at autoimmune disorders, looking at gastrointestinal issues, looking at gastrointestinal cancers, looking at um, thyroid um, you know, problems and certainly thyroid cancers. So we're seeing kind of across the board the relationship between too much cortisol and what happens. Now, why does it happen for some people? Well, we all have weak systems. We all have what we call genetic SNPs, meaning that genetically there may have been a little a transcription that didn't quite happen the way it should have. And what that makes us a little bit more prone to certain situations in different parts of our body that are more susceptible, if you will. So if we go for years by pushing our adrenal system we find that something then is like that rubber band. You pull it at some point, if you've got it on pull, it will break at some point. We don't know when, we don't know how, but we do know at some point that it's gonna give. So is that, gonna, is that true that if you just don't have any stress in your life, you're never gonna have these issues? No, I'm not saying that. What I am saying though is when the burden is too much, that system will be exacerbated. So it is a fantastic way for us to to do mindfulness, to eat, you know, 85% um, of the time really well, to exercise, to be connected with family, to get rid of resentments, all those pieces will ultimately keep us healthier. There was a large study done called the Hale Study in Europe, and they looked at 70-year-olds, and they looked to see if they changed their diet at 70, what was the outcome? Five to seven-year life expectancy. 
holy moly, at 70? Absolutely. So it's never too late to change. And it's never too late to start putting these pieces together to say, you know what, I, I am realizing that I have some things I need to work on with either my diet or exercise or my emotional health or my sleep or, you know, how I do my job or how I'm interacting with my family, whatever that issue is, it is very important because we absolutely see the connection with so many health issues. Wonderful. And I, I'm going to do a last call for questions right now. If anyone else has any questions you're thinking about, put those in the chat box right now. And I want to circle back around to the COVID-19 because that's what's, you know, on everybody's mind right now. That's what's causing a lot of stress for people right now. Um, what would you say are, you know, we talked about a lot of things today. We've talked about looking at nutrition. We've talked about taking some time to meditate, exercise, you know, looking at past trauma and all, all those things. What would you say moving forward for people listening at home are two or three action steps you think should be at the top of their list for them to tackle moving forward from today to really help get their stress under control and, and, and keep that where it needs to be? So for me, if I had nothing else to change in somebody's life, it would be their diet. You know, it's, it's unfortunately the game changer for so many people. In my practice, if I have people that have a poor diet and I just change that, so many of their health issues go away. And unfortunately, people aren't understanding that. And I'll use an example that I used for years of a car. If you, our mechanics tell us this all the time, put the right kind of gas in your car. Well, I was lucky enough to fill my, my tank up of my, of my car and I filled it up at one of those you know, places that they have gas and it was no big deal. And I got to the, the stoplight and I couldn't control the steering wheel of my car. I went back to the gas station and they said, oh, there's nothing wrong with our gas. And I thought, you know, something's wrong. Brought it to my mechanic and there was paint thinner in the tank. $10,000 later, six weeks without a car and Cumberland, the Cumberland Farms here locally paid for everything and they were kissing me. If that does that to a car, what happens to our body when we're putting foreign things in it has no idea. You know, Doritos, if you've looked at a package of Doritos, I, I don't even, I can't even pronounce and I'm very good at this. I can't pronounce half of what's in there. So our body doesn't know what to do with that. And ultimately long-term, that's a problem. So generally I'll say to my people, look, just you've got time now, cook at home. It can be very simple. You can get an air fryer and it, it's just easy. It doesn't have to be hard. The other thing that I would suggest is that they also take, if they're able, a good multivitamin and fish oil and vitamin D. That's kind of standardly. I don't think everybody needs to hoard vitamin C. However, if you have vitamin C, I have a whole protocol that I recommend that you do to um, make sure it stays as an upper respiratory issue as opposed to going down deeper in the lungs. Wonderful. We got a, a, a last question coming in here from Tracy. And she's asking if it's about nutrition and diet. Do you recommend a vegan diet to heal adrenals or a diet that includes organic meat? It's a great question. So we've kind of talked about this for years in IFM, the Institute of Functional Medicine, and it's been my experience that there aren't a lot of people that do well long, long-term vegetarian. If they're really conscientious about getting adequate protein, I think they're fine. The problem is it's high in carbohydrates oftentimes, and that converts to sugar, which is what is going on. Remember, the adrenals are intimately connected with glucose regulation and also fluid retention. So if the adrenals are on overdrive, their glucose production and how it's managing glucose doesn't do very well. So by adding so many carbohydrates in a vegetarian diet, I don't often see it being successful long term. 
There are people that would argue with me, especially if you're coming from other countries, that's a whole different story. But basically, if you're here in America, it's harder to do uh, right now. So I would say, I would love it if they would do organic meat. If you can't do it, yes, let's keep the carbohydrates down as much as you can with a vegetarian diet, getting protein. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and, and Tracy, I've actually, you know, I've actually worked with her. And we, we, you know, we had some really, really, um, you know, big changes as we do with, with most people, you know, what we've noticed is that when people come to us and they're really, really sick with, uh, you know, usually it's a combination of different issues and the, you know, one of the big end results or big issues that they have as a result of the combination of issues is systemic inflammation. And yes, when we take them and put them on a, you know, vegan type diet, wow, like we see so many changes in their biochemistry in a very short period of time and it's amazing. But we also find the same thing. Most people don't do well long-term. We've just seen this clinically. And the reason is, is because they're not paying attention to, you know, to what foods do they need to incorporate every day and in what amount to get a full amino acid profile. And for, for those of you who are not sure what that is, it's amino acids are, are the smaller pieces of what you get from when you eat protein. And, and those are building blocks for your DNA. They're building blocks for your cells. They're building blocks for every single thing in your body. You have to have that. And so, you know, going vegan is not a bad thing, but, it's, it's, it's actually kind of complicated for a lot of people for, you know, Tracy, for you, it's been a game changer and a life changer and like, and that's amazing. Um, but for a lot of people, you know, it's just can be a little bit complicated. And, um, and so, yeah, it just kind of varies from case to case. Right. I mean, it's just a little bit different for everybody. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else do we have? Do we have any other, do we have any other questions? That is all of our questions in the chat box, unless anyone else chimes in. You've got, got a couple seconds to chime in if you have any last questions. And um, yeah, while you guys uh, are deciding if you have any other questions, uh, I just wanna thank you, Marcel, for jumping on with us today. We would love to have you on again. Um, I want to introduce really quick, uh, just kind of give everyone a heads up of who's going to be speaking on Friday. And then after that, uh, let's talk about what you have, Marcel, going on on Sunday. Uh, because you guys might not have a whole lot going on on the weekend. And so we've got uh, some really big, big stuff coming up. Marcel has some stuff that we want to share with you. Um, but on, um, on Friday, is, that's going to be our next uh, Tribe Talk Live, and we have Dr. Karen Dunstan, MD, and she is going to be joining us. Uh, she has um, her fellowship, she's fellowship trained in anti-aging, metabolic, and functional medicine. Um, she also has a talk show, and we're going to be hitting on some really relevant topics so super excited to have you join us for Friday um, and then Marcel tell us a little bit about what you have going on on Sunday sure so this Sunday um, Bethany Hayes who's an OBGYN but also an epidemiologist is always going to keep us abreast of kind of the, the pieces to the equation in that way but the focus of the call is going to be about what do we see around the world globally that's really empowering how are things changing and what are the things that we can kind of look at that are really hopeful? 
as opposed to, um, you know, scary. I'll also update people in regards to what do we know nutrient-wise um, that is really helpful for us to take now and also to have kind of in your back pocket if something happens. That's so awesome. And if you can um, shoot Ann and I the link to this, then we will pop it into our social media channels and we'll let everybody know so that they can join in on Sunday. Awesome. That sounds great. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye, everyone.